0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. It is Tuesday, September 6th, and we're talking Reds baseball, as always, with our Reds guru. Mark Sheldon, not just a reporter, a guru. Mark, I've upgraded you, so you're welcome. Uh, I appreciate
1: it. I like guru status.
0: I've always liked that word, you know, so I I try to throw it in there when I can. But, uh, Mark, when we uh, last spoke, the Reds were coming off a pretty miserable uh, road trip against two of the uh, bottom feeders in baseball, those being the Diamondbacks and the Angels. Six-game stretch, you kind of look at it and say, we got to at least break even. Not the case. They go 1-5, and but a nice little uh, rebound for the team upon returning home. Uh, this past weekend, they do take two or three from the Cardinals, a Cardinals team right in the thick of the NL playoff chase. And I know that, you know, fans and media make kind of a big deal this time of year talking about uh, teams playing spoiler when uh, facing other teams chasing playoff spots. Is that a real thing, I guess, in the in the Reds clubhouse, something that they can hang their hat on? Because, you know, I guess in these last few weeks of the season, you're clearly not going to be a part of the playoff party. You need something to kind of hang your hat on.
1: Look, certainly. I mean, they're chasing as many wins as they can get in general, but if they can get a few wins and ruin some other people's days while they're doing it, that's uh, even better for them. Uh, it just so happens that the rest of their schedule, with the exception of the Brewers, is all against all contenders. They have uh, – right now they're doing with the Mets. They have the Pirates. They have the Cardinals. They have the Cubs. Uh, obviously, the Cubs are uh, pretty secure where they are, but the, the Pirates and the Cardinals especially are – and the Mets, for that matter, are, are really uh, not assured of, their, of an October uh, baseball uh, fall schedule. So, um, yeah, they want to they get some things done. They were, they're also trying to improve their own stats. And everything, as Dusty Baker kind of called it as a, as a salary drive. Guys that are going for those kind of numbers that can improve their salaries for next season, whether it be arbitration or contract uh, in, 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 in incentives or whatnot, they're all part of the, you know, the big thing that goes on this last month.
0: Yeah, there's a lot going on, like you said, beyond the W's and the L's, so uh, a lot to play for still. And like you said, the the schedule for the Reds is conducive towards, uh, you know, getting the blood pumping when you look at uh, the teams on that schedule, you know, first the Pirates, then the Cardinals, and uh, now the Mets uh, currently as they play the second of three games uh, tonight on this Tuesday at uh, Great American Ballpark. And, uh, Mark, backtracking again, back to this past weekend. Uh, Friday night, the walk-off win, uh, A. Eugenio Suarez uh, against one of baseball's best uh, in the bullpen, in Sonuano, the Cardinals' closer. But that was a nice moment, obviously for the Reds and for Suarez. My biggest takeaway from that game, though, had to become in the the pitching sequence, if you will. You know, Dee Sclafani for seven, he was great, inning a piece from Michael Lorenzen and Rysel Iglesias, and you know when. Sometimes when you're a struggling team and you, you dream of better days ahead, you get a game like this, and you look at the box score, and again, you know, you got, you got Disco, Lorenzen, Iglesias, boom, 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 you got a win. Are those the kind of games that a fan can look at, you, you check out the box score and say, you know what, when this thing does get turned around, that is exactly the blueprint we're going to follow every fifth day or something like that?
1: Well, in a nutshell, that's one of the reasons why the team is better in the second half. They've been much better, and those three players being added around June really is kind of the catalyst of what's helped things out. They've been able to, you know, Discofani being able to be counted on for six to seven, and sometimes obviously eight or even a complete game uh, since he's been back has really kind of stabilized the rotation and taken a lot of the burden off the bullpen, but when Iglesias is available, he's been great, and when Lorenzen's been able to go in, he's been great, and... It's given them some options now when they have a lead they can hold a lead uh, a little a little better and now those kind of those are, are kind of settled roles for, for if you will uh, those are if the, if the Reds are leading it's going to be probably two of those three guys it'll be Lorenzen uh, Iglesias and then possibly Tony Singrani. and the other guys will probably come in when they're when they're trailing so it's it's kind of helped things out a little bit and that's definitely something for the team to look forward to uh, going into next year.
0: And we've seen uh, the importance in our recent years, especially of a uh, you know not only uh, bullpen guys performing well, but bullpen guys having to find clear roles and it seems like you know like you said it's going to be two of those three guys in the mix on on a given nights where the team is winning you know either Lorenzen or Glacius Orson Grani or some mixture of those three and that's been a winning formula for the Reds here in uh, the second half. Uh, Mark speaking of Michael Lorenzen uh, the Roberto Clemente award nominees were uh, announced uh, today on this Tuesday one from each of the 30 major league teams that nominee for the Reds is Michael Lorenzen. Uh, kind of give us a rundown of uh, what he does uh, off the field to, to uh, you know help the community and to, to help the fan base and, and the reasons why he was the Reds nominee for the Roberto Clemente Award.
1: Actually, it's kind of an interesting thing is that uh, during the winter he was doing a, a Christian fellowship mission uh, with baseball in Puerto Rico, and he spent a lot of time with the, the Clemente family, and he was so moved by his experience. of of having dinners with them and and being in their home that uh, with Todd Frazier no longer on the Reds, Lorenzen requested to change his number to 21, and it it was granted, and he's been wearing 21 this season and from now on to honor Roberto Clemente. Uh, He's just been in a short time here uh, just involved in the community. He does a lot of things with the Reds Community Fund. Uh, He makes visits to Children's Hospital here in Cincinnati, uh, Rookie Success League, which is also part of the Reds Community Fund, and he's always at the Make-A-Wish stuff and he he's just one of those guys that likes to kind of not just be a baseball player that is focused on getting outs and throwing strikes and improving his craft on the field but he he also feels like an obligation to, to kind of get back and be part of the community off of it so he's uh he seems like in a, in a short amount of time a deserving uh, nominee.
0: And that's a great story. I didn't even realize he had actually spent time with uh, the family of Roberto Clemente this past off season. And, you know, it sounds trite and cliche, but in this case, it really truly is, uh, you know, an honor to be nominated for something like this because it's so incredibly difficult to win when you've got 30 deserving players from 30 different major league clubs. Uh, Michael Lorenzen has as good a shot as anybody, obviously, but to be the Reds representative for such a prestigious award really speaks volumes to what he's done for this team. Hats off to him and the best of luck to him as uh, that winner is going to be announced uh, during the 2016 World Series. And, uh, Mark, getting back to uh, stories on the field, another kind of feel-good story in addition to Michael Lorenzen, uh, Ernan Irobaran, who I, I I practiced that pronunciation for a couple days, and I think I nailed it, uh, 32 years old, <laughs> uh, first major league start since uh, June 15th, of 2008, a span of over 2,500 days, and uh, he played uh, on Sunday, went one for four. And I know you've certainly covered your fair share of stories over the years with guys who have uh, – you know, toiled in the minor leagues for many years. They finally get their shot. But when it comes to Ira Barron, I would think that this goes above and beyond just a, a guy who's, uh, you know, had kind of a tough road to get to the major leagues. I mean, some of the, the obstacles he faced are really daunting. And I believe he, he said in some postgame comments, there was a, a lot of tears have been shed over the years thinking he'd never make it. He got the call up Sunday, and it, it's a story that's, you know, if, if it doesn't warm your heart, check your pulse, you know.
1: Yeah, it's a nice story. You you, you always kind of like to see that. That's what makes baseball kind of an interesting sport. You don't see this as much in the other sports. And uh, a nice little sub uh, sub note for that is that just yesterday he was uh, he found out he was the winner of the international league batting title. He batted hmm. 3.27 for Louisville this season. So, as he said uh, just today, it's been a long road for him. Uh, there was times he didn't think he was going to make it. He uh, was even offered uh, coaching opportunities, but he, he always turned them down because he, he really wanted to try to give it one more shot to, to play him and his wife talked about it. Uh, he wasn't sure if he was going to get called up this season uh, being obviously not a prospect and possibly not even in the plans for the team next year. He doesn't know yet. Uh, you know, usually sometimes September call-ups aren't just for deserving people. It's for also for, for top prospects and whatnot. So uh, yeah, it's a good story. He, can play a lot of positions and he's going to get a chance to to help out. Uh, while he's here, and he's going to enjoy every second
0: of it. Yeah, I I bet he will with the the road that he's traveled uh, to get to this point, certainly, and you mentioned, Mark, the the September call-ups. Ira Barron, one of those, obviously, Robert Stevenson, another, even though the Reds uh, lost to the Mets on Monday night. Stevenson was uh, terrific. Uh, He had some control issues, his first stint with the team, uh, but he struck out uh, nine Mets on Monday, believe walked only one, Uh, so he was terrific, but there are some guys that uh, I think fans were expecting to be with the team. Team right now, from the September call up perspective, and they're not. What can you tell us about that?
1: Yeah, I mean, the three names that really stand out for fans, especially that we're really looking forward maybe to uh, seeing was uh, Jesse Winker, uh, number three prospect, um, Amir Garrett, the number two prospect, a pitcher, and uh, Dilson Herrera, the second baseman who was acquired in the Jay Bruce trade from the Mets. Uh, none of those guys got called up. In the cases of, uh, you know, Garrett. It was less surprising only because he's had a half a year at AAA, and, and yeah, it would have been a, a little bit of a rush to get him up here. Maybe not as many innings for him to work. Uh, but in the case of uh, Winker, who's got a 40-man spot to, to take in the offseason so they can protect him from the Rule 5 draft, uh, I kind of th- thought he would still be up here. And I was just talking to Dick Williams, the GM, a little while ago. and. He basically said it came down to opportunity and health situations. Um, with the opportunity, there's really, they don't want to bring guys like that up here, him or Herrera, and then have, have nowhere for them to play. Uh, right now the Reds are pretty set in the corner outfield spots for, uh, Winker and the infield for Herrera. But also they've both been dealing with injuries. Uh, Winker missed a month with a wrist injury. And even though he played really well and hit over 300, he didn't have much power. And so, uh, and Herrera slept on his shoulder funny on a team bus. I missed a few days and kind of been battling with uh, soreness. It's not serious, but it kind of affected the throwing, and I guess the decision by the organization was made is just to let them go home early and rest and get ready for next season.
0: Yeah, it's, it's a tricky thing sometimes uh, this time of year with uh, you know who gets called up and who does not because there's more to it than, well, you're putting up good numbers in the minors you're deserving. There are a few more elements, as you outlined there. And, uh, Mark, to wrap up here, you know, you mentioned Dilson Herrera, the acquisition and the Jay Bruce trade. Obviously, Jay Bruce back in Cincinnati, kind of a strange sight, him in a, in a non red uniform wearing the, the blue and, and uh, orange of the Mets. Uh, talk about his return, the reception for him, and his emotions about coming back to Cincy.
1: Yeah, it was a good reception, and the Reds, I have to give it to them. They did a, a very classy uh, tribute on the field for him. Uh, they had his wife Hannah and his, his baby boy uh, Carter out on the field with them, and they were able to watch this uh, pretty cool video that kind of showed Jay Bruce from the the day he he signed as an 18-year-old with braces uh, when he was drafted in the first round in 2005, all the way to the to the present, uh, and included his great home run, his, his basically his iconic home run to clinch the NL Central Division as a walk-off in 2010. And it was very cool to watch. And then on the field after that, the the, the front office of the team. Presented him with a $5,000 check to his charity golf tournament back in Texas, which was a cool move. And uh, he was just received well. He went 0-4 in the game. It, it wasn't uh, to be as far as making a, a heroic splash, but uh, he, he just said it was felt weird. He, he came to the park. He lives in Cincinnati. Where he still has his home in Cincinnati. and he, he slept in his own bed for the first time since the trade. And uh, He drove himself to the park. And then for the first time ever, instead of going into the home clubhouse, he, he walked into the visitors' clubhouse. He had never set foot in that other clubhouse here at this ballpark before. So that was a new experience, and that's where it got a little different for him. But, uh, you know, he appreciated his time was here. He grew up here. He said he became a man and a family man here. So it's uh, a lot of good memories of Cincinnati. He'll never forget it. And he's he's kind of w- trying to warm up with the Mets and get better. He knows he hasn't been off to a good start, but he enjoys his new teammates. He enjoys uh, playing for the Mets. He's still getting used to the – the, the the pace of New York, but uh, he's working on it.
0: Yeah, I think I think we're all still getting used to the, <laughs> the pace of New York. For those of yeah. us that have been here a couple of years, that goes without saying. But uh, high marks all the way around. Class personified, but not by not just Jay Bruce, but by the Reds organization. Uh, well done on their on their behalf, of course, as well. Uh, Mark, good place to wrap this one up. We'll do it again at this time next week. Mark Sheldon joining us, our Reds reporter. In the meantime, Matt Waymeyer signing off for MLB.com extras, Cincinnati Reds.